Hey, everybody, this is Jimmy. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Jimmy Tingle Show. Today, we have a very special guest. All of our guests are very special because we do our homework. We want to get people who are interesting and informative and can help, uh, you know, just expand the conversation in this country. So right now, I'd like to introduce Mr. Brian Garvey. He is the Assistant Director of Mass Peace Action, New England's largest peace organization. Brian organizes and supports Mass Peace Action's working groups on the Middle East, Latin America, and the Raytheon Anti-War Campaign. He helps to develop the youth voice in today's peace movement and activates members. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show from Reading, Massachusetts originally, now residing in Brighton, Massachusetts, the one, the only, Mr. Brian Garvey. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jimmy. This is great. Well, thanks for joining us, Brian. So tell us, tell our listeners, those who might not be familiar with Mass Peace Action, what exactly is Mass Peace Action and what actually do they do? Well, as you mentioned in your great intro, Massachusetts Peace Action is, is the largest peace organization in New England, and we're part of a national network. So we have sister affiliates all across the country. And what we do is use the power of community education and grassroots organizing uh, to change fundamentally uh, U.S. foreign policy. So we work to end wars, uh, to abolish nuclear weapons and that danger, uh, and also to shrink our ever-growing military budget and to take the money from that and put them towards human needs right here at home. And how is it going with Mass Peace Action? I mean, over the last, say, 25 years, can you point to some successes when it comes to, you know, helping to end the war or helping to end a war or reducing or repurposing military dollars? Yeah, actually, in the 1980s, when Mass Peace Action uh, uh, first became uh, an affiliate, uh, it came out of the nuclear freeze movement, which was a broad national movement to try and stop uh, the building of more nuclear weapons. And this was very controversial at the time. President Reagan uh, uh, was was dead set on fighting the evil empire, and we had almost 70,000 nuclear weapons uh, uh, across the world. And through a lot of that organizing that these folks did way back in the 80s, um, they even got Ronald Reagan to say that we should abolish nuclear weapons and get to zero. Um, now, we still we didn't quite get there. We still have about 16,000 nuclear weapons in the world, but that's a heck of a lot better than 70,000. So that was a, a, a major achievement uh, going back uh, even more than, than 25 years ago. Uh, but Right. I remember one, that. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm sure you did some organizing with them, Jimmy, if I know you. Well, they had the huge concert in Central Park, I remember, right. and uh, they made a film on it. I think I think Bruce Springsteen was there. I think I know Carly Simon was there. I think maybe Dylan, some of the biggest stars at that time. It was a huge thing. And the youth vote was really there. People were completely opposed to the nuclear uh, race at the time. It was and because this is before the Soviet Union had collapsed. So there was a, a real live Soviet Union with, uh, you know, tens of thousands of nuclear warheads. But, yeah, that was a, a really big victory. Um, can you point to out some other things just to, you know, contemporize and bring the, bring the audience up to speed? Absolutely. Well, a more recent victory is something that we have been campaigning on for 
over 20 years, which is an end to the U.S. war in Afghanistan, uh, which of course became uh, the longest war in American history uh, and one that had really lost its sense of purpose. Not too many people could point and say, here is what victory means, uh, and that's why it was lingering on and on. Uh, it was not only harming the Afghan people, but it was also costing, according to President Biden, about $300 million a day. Um, so we know that that was an incredibly difficult thing uh, for the administration to do, but a very necessary thing. Uh, and through the, the campaigning of groups like Mass Peace Action, who were at the very beginning uh, calling for for getting out of that war, um, slowly but surely did build public support, uh, where the administration felt that it was that it was uh, you know both politically achievable and the right thing to do uh, to get us out of Afghanistan after over 20 years. Um, and I think that uh, President Biden will be vindicated in that uh, in that decision. Right, and it actually started under uh, President Trump, as I recall. He was the one that put it front and center, and he. You know, for better or for worse, he said, we we're, we're going to be out of here. And then, of course, you know, the, he lost the election. So the Biden administration was stuck with the with the withdrawal, which people always criticize. And the, I mean, I think you would agree that it didn't go very smoothly. But the one thing about Afghanistan that people fail to grasp is that, you know, we lost 3000 Americans on 9-11. And within three, when our government wants to respond, we respond. It was horrible, tragedy, completely unjustified. But within three weeks, we had the largest mobilization of military personnel in world history. We were in Afghanistan, three weeks. And that's what we can do as a country when we put our mind to it. And we stayed, of course, just to get one guy, ostensibly, Osama bin Laden, we stayed long overdue, and uh, which kind of in the big picture seemed like, geez, we spent a trillion dollars. We stayed 20 years all to get this one guy that's kind of like invading South Boston to get Whitey Bulger, you know, and then 20 years later saying, uh, yeah, we left. But can you believe the Irish are still here? <laughs> you know, so it was it was just a just a long extended and nobody wanted to leave. That's the I mean, groups like you guys did. But the administrations, subsequent administrations, there was so much. I don't know if it was business or money or just not knowing what the alternative would be. And part of it was probably they don't want the Taliban to come back into power. Was that part of it, you think? I think it's all of the above. And I'm really glad that you brought up the previous administration, too, because I want to be very clear that Massachusetts Peace Action is nonpartisan. And oftentimes our, our foreign policy, many of the problems with it are bipartisan. So this global war on terror that we're talking about that Afghanistan is only a part of, was only a part of, uh, was very bipartisan. You know, much like the war in Vietnam back in the 60s and, and 70s, uh, we saw it, it escalate and expand uh, under Democratic and Republican administrations uh, alike. So this is not a bipartisan problem. This is not a partisan problem. This is a problem that the entire country uh, needs to solve. You know, whether you're on the right, uh, or on the left, because we all care about the morality of these issues. We all care about the expense. And perhaps most importantly, we all care about our, our active duty uh, soldiers and our veterans, uh, because they're the ones who bear the brunt of this. 
and by by working with veterans who actually served in Afghanistan uh, and talked about their experience and the seeming the lack of clarity of over what they were doing and what their mission was and the danger uh, that and why they were being put in such danger. That's what really drove the point home to me because who knows better than people who have seen it with their own eyes. Right. And there are some really articulate spokespeople here in the Massachusetts area. I'm thinking of Andrew Basevich. Uh, I think he was a colonel in the military, lost his son in, in Iraq. He's one. I know uh, Seth Moulton has been uh, front and center, I believe, and an authentic voice about what was going on there in his, in his role. I think he did four tours in Iraq. And there's many other folks that really shine a light on that issue. But one thing about mass peace action that's always struck me is that you're anti-war in your philosophy. And that's not always very popular. And it's never been the real guiding force of American foreign policy or many countries' foreign policy for that matter. But there's going to come a time that war, and maybe not in our lifetime, but maybe 100 years from now, 200 years from now, 300 years, where people are going to look back and go, do you believe that in the years, you know, in the 19th, the 20th and the 21st century, people actually would fight to the death to achieve political goals. Do you believe that they used to do that? That would be like people looking now back 150 years at slavery and go, do you believe that you could actually own other, other human beings? So it's always interesting and uplifting to talk to your organization because you, you offer hope and you offer a vision of a better society, not just for the U.S., but for the entire planet. And I, I think you're right, Jimmy, and it's absolutely crucial for us to succeed in getting rid of war because with the weapons technology we have, especially with nuclear weapons, uh, right now the human race, our existence is incompatible uh, with war. I think Martin Luther King said it back best way back in 1967. He said, uh, humanity has to choose between nonviolent coexistence or violent co-annihilation. And, and that's where we are with these weapons that we have created. They're not compatible uh, with human beings living on, on this planet. We have to we desperately need to, to find another way to solve our problems, to learn how to talk to one another uh, instead of of, of settling these political differences uh, with the use of force. Um, we simply can't do it anymore. Well, the recent defense budget was the largest, I think, in history, mm -hmm. over $800 billion. And I know that, what is, tell me about Mass Peace Action's take on the, the defense budget in general, and what would you like to see happen with some of the defense dollars we're spending? Well, our take is obviously it needs to be reduced dramatically. Uh, we are talking about uh, a national security budget and that over $800 billion, you're right, it is the largest in our history, uh, but it doesn't even include things like nuclear weapons, which are in the Department of Energy. So when all said and done, you're talking about about trillion dollars uh, being spent uh, on our national security budget. That's about half of what the entire world spends. And we're only about 5% of the population, Jim. It is completely out of whack by any measure. Uh, what I would like to see that money put towards is actual national security, right? 
I mean, we all just lived through the COVID-19 pandemic. It killed over a million of our citizens and we couldn't bomb COVID-19, right? If we want to protect our national security, we need to take that money and invest it into healthcare, right? We're spending now over $800 billion a year uh, on, on the defense budget. And we have our frontline healthcare workers in trash bags because they can't get proper protective equipment in the richest country in the history of the world. And I think when you bring examples like that, and climate change is another one that we're not putting nearly enough money into. Uh, when you, when you put examples like this to people, uh, people start to see through it. They start, they start to think and, and realize that you know, it doesn't make too much sense when you're spending this much money and you still have veterans sleeping out on the street. Something's wrong. One of the points I've tried to make over the years is you just look at the opioid crisis or mm -hmm. the addiction problem in the country. And you think of how many, I think we lost 100,000 people last year to overdose, 100,000. Now in all of Afghanistan and Iraq, as horrible as that was, we lost about 7,000, 7,500 Americans that were killed and maybe several thousand more wounded, tragically, of course. And we, well, it's terrible. But we lost 100,000 to overdoses and, and then to gun violence, another 20 to 30,000 to gun violence. And there's so much, it seems to me, there's so many things that we could be doing, reallocating money in terms of broadening the definition of national defense. So like you were mentioning, healthcare, national defense, you know, uh, opioid and uh, treating substance abuse disorder as national defense, gun safety as national defense, and of course, climate change. Tell us what you're trying to do with climate change. I know you have some strong advocates in the Senate and in Congress and just on a on a positive note about some of the things that the Biden administration has been doing around climate change. I know Senator Markey is a uh, a strong ally. I believe Ayanna Presley is a strong ally of Mass Peace Action. Tell us uh, some of the victories we've had in the last couple of years. Uh, I, and I'll just say before we get onto that um, uh, that unfortunately a lot of those a lot of those deaths that you're talking about um, are our veterans too. Uh, mm. Uh, folks who served in Afghanistan and Iraq uh, and, and other places, more than a hundred thousand uh, suicides by veterans uh, since since September 11, 2001, um, and our government has not done nearly enough uh, to solve that problem. But another problem that we are not addressing, and we're quickly running out of time to address, uh, is of course uh, pending climate catastrophe. You know, we are already seeing the effects of it. It's getting harder and harder to deny that the effects are real. Some, some still do, of course, uh, as you know, Jimmy. Um, but if we're going to solve this problem, it's a global issue. You know, you cannot prepare for, for war, uh, uh with the other major powers of the wo world, with Russia, with China, and at the same time cooperate with them to solve what is a global problem and really stop polluting our earth uh, uh, so much. Um, so we have seen some recent, and you mentioned there's a lot of great folks uh, here in Massachusetts, Senator Markey, 
uh, is not only was not only a leader of that nuclear freeze movement we were talking about earlier, and one of the perhaps the leading voice in Washington for nuclear disarmament. He's also the author of the Green New Deal uh, in in the Senate. Um, so really putting forward uh, a visionary plan uh, that stakes out what we need to do. You know, we need to fundamentally change the way that society works if we are going to be able to continue. Uh, to give to the next generation a livable planet. Um, these are the stakes. Um, I am pleased to see that the Biden administration uh, has recently started talking again uh, to their Chinese counterparts. Um, we are the two largest economies in the world, two largest militaries uh, in the world, and we're also the largest polluters. So we need to get on the same page. Uh, we don't agree on everything, clearly. Uh, but for our own sakes, you know, we both <laughs> uh, have a, an interest in being able to continue to live on this planet. Uh, so we need to get down to the table uh, and start negotiating on this. Uh, I was very pleased to see uh, President Biden uh, recently meet with President Xi to start talking about these really tough issues. Yeah, it would be nice to see both sides using best practices. Mm -hmm. I'm not technical enough or enough of an engineer to spell out solutions when it comes to uh, climate change, but sharing information that can help each society and try to win the people over on the, in, in China or win the population over in terms of we we don't have to be enemies is what I'm saying. And I think that would go a long way. Just communication. Yeah. Communication in good faith as well. I feel like we're still stuck in a mindset uh, of the 20th century and before, where we're in competition uh, with these with these countries. We need to win. You hear that sometimes, even from yep. uh, even from folks uh, who claim to be more progressive. You know, we need to go out there and win the 21st century. We need to make sure America is the leading power. Um, that's that is old time thinking. You know, the world yep. has the world has moved on. We can't bring that 20th century mindset too deep into the 21st century. We need to learn how to get together because that's the only way we're going to solve these big problems. If people want to find out more about Mass Peace Action, is it masspeaceaction.org? Is that the website? That's correct. You can check us out at masspeaceaction.org. We're on Twitter at Mass Peace Action. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. You can find us in all those spots. Great. And as I said earlier, if you want to attend any of my shows on December 29th, 30th, or January 1st, it's a $30 ticket. And when they ask you as in the required field, how did you hear about this event? You just scroll down, Mass Peace Action, you click that. We donate $10 to Mass Peace Action. And when you actually check out, if you want to make an additional donation, you can do so as well to Mass Peace Action. Brian, great to see you. Continue success. Keep the faith, man. You're the future. I mean, it's me and you, Brian. We need millennials like ourselves to move this <laughs> to move this world forward. But I really thank you so much for joining us today and continue success to you and Mass Peace Action. And it's 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 heartening to know there have been victories and sometimes they're not always front and center, but we are making progress as a society and as a and as a and as humanity. So that's really, really important to everybody, especially around the holidays. We need hope, and you guys right. bring us hope. And it's hopeful to know that you're in the trenches doing the hard work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jimmy. We love you.